0: Our world needs that example today, and we've been following the life of one who is an example many times um, of God's ways, and making sure that he's in tune with God's ways, but he's not perfect, the only perfect person that ever lived with Jesus Christ, and it certainly wasn't David, although he did have a heart for God. And we're seeing some of his imperfections in this chapter, chapter 25. And so turn there with me, 1 Samuel 25. We started this narrative last week. Um, It's just uh, David's tired. He's just lost a very important person in his life. Samuel has died. All of Israel has lost this important spiritual influence. David is trying to lead and do the best he can and trying to help his fellow Israelites as well. And in the midst of this, he gets a very unexpected, disturbing response to some help that he has given to a man named Nabal. You remember, Nabal means fool. Hopefully it's a nickname and not something that he was given at birth. But he does live up to his name. His wife's name is Abigail, which seems to me is something along the lines of bringing joy. My father is joy, or bringing joy to my father. And in her wisdom that she expresses from God, she does uh, bring that joy and that help in this situation. Two opposites, a fool versus a woman of spiritual wisdom, and they're married. So that's a very difficult thing, and Abigail is going to continue to bear that burden. Although God is going to relieve her of that burden by the end of the chapter, and we'll find that out too. Um, So as a reminder, uh, David has been in the wilderness, he and his men. It seems like Nabal was some sort of distant relative. They both came from Bethlehem, and uh, so uh, David has been helping Nabal's shepherds. As they've been watching the sheep, and it has come time, like harvest time, sheep shearing time is a very important time, a time of celebration. And David sends young men to ask Nabal if, because of the work and the help that they have been to him, if Nabal be willing in his wealth to provide for them. And the law specifically stated that if somebody um, was willing to help a neighbor and provide service in this way, they should be rewarded. And David in a very, and and again, David is a wonderful example of someone who chooses his words carefully, and he chose his words carefully in sending his young men to request that they be invited to the celebration, they be provided provisions, and they could all rejoice together, a reasonable request that Nabal the fool utterly rejects. And he slanders David, He questions David's authenticity, um, his, his character, and will not provide them anything at all. And it seems at this point that David's tired. He's done everything that he knows to do is right. And he is just had it. He's fed up. And he tells his men, 400 of his men, let's go, get your swords. We're going to repay evil for evil. And again, remember, one of the biggest absences in this narrative is he doesn't go to the Lord to ask the Lord what he should do. He is angry, raw, emotionally charged action here, not a good situation. David is out for vengeance. Thankfully, there are those um, among Nabal's household who know the person to go to to get counsel and to expect wise things from him. The man of the house, it's the lady of the house, Abigail. And this servant tells Abigail, "Um, we got a problem. Uh, David sent some men. They wanted some provisions. They were really good. They helped us. And they were a huge encouragement and benefit to us. And Nabal has refused to help them at all. He's basically, he, he has insulted them. And now they are come here to do harm, he says, against our master and against all his house. And Nabal is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. A wealthy individual from the lineage of Caleb himself, and yet this man, those around him that know him well, all all agree that he is a fool and that he can't be reasoned with. Certainly not a testimony that any of us want in our character. If you have a wife or you have friends that look at you and say, you know, there's just no talking with that particular person or um, a, a husband who feels that way. Friends, that is not a good situation for you to be in. When somebody says, you know, there's not even it's not even sense in talking with him. He never listens. Um, that can only lead to bad things happening. And so it's on Abigail now to provide the solution and. Either she's a really good, um, efficient cook and baker, or she's had a lot of this food on reserve, probably the latter because they are wealthy. But she gets together this feast. Remember, 200 loaves, two skins of wine, five sheep, uh, parched grain, um, clusters of raisins, 200. I mean, she lays out this, fig, these, um, this feast, puts it on the donkeys, sends it ahead with the servants, but in her courage, she also goes herself behind them to meet 400 raging, angry men. That not only shows um, courage, that shows faith in her God, that God will take care of her. And in the meantime, we find out in verse 21 that David is in a rage coming to deal with. Nabal and Abigail's household, and it's like he's muttering under his breath, and we get really angry how we tend to be. Look at verse 21. Surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. And You, you can just kind of sense, David's like, I've had it. I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of this existence. I'm tired of betrayal. I'm tired of having uh, to wander around and, and have this way of life, and so I am going to deal with this, but he does quote, he does give an oath here that in the midst of his vengeful spirit, he still has enough sense to be careful here. Remember how Saul um, would many times be characterized by just throwing out oaths haphazardly, not even thought. And remember, giving an oath, calling on God and making an oath with him as witness was a very serious thing to God's people. God's law said that. David says this, God do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him, David is intent upon going to this household and wiping out all the young men. Not his best moment. In fact, if he continues and he's not stopped in this He's going to do in a smaller form, in essence, what Saul allowed to happen at Nob. David needs someone to deal with him and stop him in this. But the oath, let me me explain the oath. He phrases it carefully and says, if I'm not able to do what I want to do here, then I pray that God does it for me. Better not to do an oath in anger at all, but if you're going to give an oath, that's probably a better scenario it is than just saying what Saul says and just describing, this is what I'm going to do, and um, I, I, I commit myself to this folly. David says, if I don't get the chance to do what I really want to do, I pray that God will deal with it, and in the end, that's what he should be doing in the first place is letting God deal with this whole situation rather than acting in his anger. So he's got that caveat. He's not totally given over yet, but he's in a rage. And when Abigail saw David, again, I'm picturing this one wise, beautiful woman, as the Lord says, as the Bible says, and facing these angry men. I keep thinking they're on horses, but they wouldn't have had horses back then. So uh, for this, so they would have been running or, or they would have been intently um, heading that way. She got down and hurried, or, or hurried and got down from her donkey. She hurried toward them, the brave, got off her donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. This is an incredible interaction that we have described here. And you can just tell in the midst of the foolishness of, of Nabal, who is, who is the type of fool that Proverbs describes as one that has rejected God. He is a full fool. Okay. one that ultimately does not have a relationship with God. And David on the other end, who is a faithful man, who is acting in the folly of his emotions at the moment. In the midst of all this, there is this beautiful picture of this lady, and she is a lady, who has the wisdom of God pouring out of her. And God is going to protect her and use this in David's life. And so she has a number of aspects to this interaction that are important um, to point out. She's going to successfully intercede for her husband. She's going to prophetically reveal David's future destiny. She acts as a prophetess, giving the word of the Lord to David directly. And she prevents David from bringing God's judgment on himself. So as soon as she meets David and this interception with these 400 angry men, she humbles herself before him and she first of all really accepts the blame for her husband's foolishness and apologizes for the injury that David has received from her household she didn't have to do this this wasn't her fault and yet she's willing to say david this has come from my household and there i feel i'm partially to blame let me apologize on behalf of of our family and my foolish husband and so she says uh, verse 24, on me alone, my lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. I take responsibility now, David. Please, you can almost say, I think she's I could see her saying something like this take a deep breath, hear me out. Right, and folks, whenever we're really angry and in a rage, one of the best things we can do is take a deep breath, stop. Calm yourself down and be willing to listen to the other party. If you're not listening to the other party in the midst of the disagreement, then you're not acting in an appropriate way and you're letting your anger control you. So Abigail says, hear me out, please hear my explanation. Now, she's not going to mince words about her husband. Verse 25. Let not my Lord, and notice she called, refers to David Lord in every aspect of this, and that's important. I'll get back to that. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. Now, uh, she is not criticizing or being cruel toward her husband. She's just stating a fact. She's saying, David... I just got to tell you, I married a fool. It's, it's, it's in his name. I can't, I can't hide it from you. He, he is foolish, and he acts, and he responds foolishly all the time. And here you get the idea that this has happened many times before, because what does she say at the end of verse 25? But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom ye sent. She's saying here, <laughs> I didn't catch him in time. I, it sounds like she's the type of, of lady that is constantly on the lookout for her husband's foolish deeds and trying to fix them before they become too much of a problem. And this one got by her. He said, I didn't know about this. I wouldn't have handled this. I would have provided everything that you needed. But unfortunately, this got by me. And it went to my husband. And here we are. You might say again, You think, again, of all that this wise lady has had to experience in her life being married to a fool. But she has the wisdom of the Lord, and the Lord is going to use her now to prophesy, in effect, of David's future. So verse 26, Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving from your own hand, Now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Um, Really, Abigail is speaking in a wise way that David recently was talking in a way towards Saul. Isn't it interesting that David was willing to forbear and show patience with a king, but not his own people. This is how his anger has worked him up. He's not thinking right in this. And now Abigail is speaking words of wisdom that normally come from the mouth of David. And she's making a very convincing argument here. She's saying that uh, God, she's hoping anyway, that God is going to continue to restrain him from spilling blood. And she says, from saving of your own hand, from trying to deal with the situation and bring resolution on your own apart from God. She's saying, basically, whether she realizes it or not, I am the instrument that is helping you be restrained and not do something that you're going to regret later on because you're not doing it um, with the guidance of the Lord behind you. You're acting entirely on your own, never a good situation to be in. Then she says, now let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be His navel." She says, the Lord is going to give you victory over your enemies, and he's going to make all of your enemies as foolish as my husband. God is going to do that for you, David. And she continues with this. Oh, this is good. Verse 27. And it's also good when you face a huge army of angry men to point out that you have brought gifts and food. That's Always helpful and causes and a cause for pause, and she says that. And now, let this present see this banquet, all this food that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. And maybe she's hoping they'll hunt their hunger, they'll slow down, they'll eat, and they'll rethink what they're gonna do. Wise woman, indeed, Weight in man's heart as his stomach, you know, all that. And then she again takes on this herself. She puts herself in the place of her husband in verse 28 and says, please forgive the trespass of your servant. She takes responsibility for her husband's actions. And really, she's presenting herself as a sacrifice or martyr on his behalf. She, I think she realizes here there's still a potential she could lose her life because she knows they're coming to kill her husband and the young men. And so she's saying, deal with me instead of my husband. What commitment for a lady who has a husband that doesn't deserve this in any way. What grace she's showing to him, to her own husband. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. Forgive the sin that my household has done to you. She's calling to him, David, forgive us. David... I'm sure is remembering at this point as she continues to speak the words of the Lord through God's law and his Torah and his reminder of showing love to his fellow man and being willing to forgive and the character of God. I mean, he's written many Psalms about forgiveness, right? Abigail's now reminding him, you need to be willing to forgive too. And then she again prophesies if, uh, here we go, uh, middle of verse 28. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. You will be king one day, David. That's a surety. That's a fact. Because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. Because you're fighting for the Lord. You're doing what's right. He will make you king. And evil shall not be found in you so long as you live that you you are committed to do what's right and God will honor that. In verse 29, if men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound, this is interesting, in the bundle of the living, in the care of the Lord your God. This word bundle could mean document, a possibility, in which case it's referring to the document of the living. Basically, in a very, very, figurative way here she's saying David God's going to protect you and spare your life he's going to keep you in the document of the living in those that are going to continue to live he's going to protect your life even as people men rise up and try to do you evil and that includes King Saul here's this incredibly wise woman telling him you uh, King Saul isn't going to have the ultimate victory And this had to be encouraging for for David, who's very frustrated, I'm sure, at this point. And King Saul hasn't given up his cruelty and his antagonism toward David. We're going to see at the end of this chapter. Um, But she says, even when they try to do you evil, the Lord will protect you. And the lives, this is interesting. Look at the end of 29. In the lives of your enemies, he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. Does that? Bring up anything that you we've covered re- recently, David and, David and Goliath. Yes, very good. Thank you. Thank you, Rob, for that. She is pointing back to God's provision with David and Goliath, with David and what, with uh, David going after Goliath and his victory. And she's pointing out here that just as he gave you victory with Goliath, he's going to do that to all of your enemies, David, all of them. God is going to give you victory, he's going to make you a success. Now, here's again, more wisdom. And she's again pointing to the idea that God is going to bless David, give him full success. And so David in return must let the Lord fight his battles and continue to be guided, let himself be guided by the Lord and not act on his own account. Verse 30, and when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and has appointed you prince over Israel, you're going to be a leader over Israel. It's going to happen, David. God is going to be true to his promises. When that happens, David, my Lord, David, shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself or trying to fix the situation himself. And she, she is pointing out here that David... When you become king and God has given you victory, you don't want the stain of what you're about to do on your record. You don't want it on your conscience. You don't want to look back when God gives you finally everything that he's promised you. And here you have this blight on your record of wiping out all of these innocent men and my fool of a husband, Mabel, and to have that on your conscience for the rest of your life. David, you don't want that. Think through this. Let God handle it. And then finally, she says, And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, because he's going to, don't forget me in the midst of all this. Well, God is going to use that in a remarkable way here in just a minute, because David isn't going to forget Abigail and uh, he's going to use her in David's life, uh, continue to in a marvelous way. And all of this is a very wise. Um, counsel from abigail god has put her directly in david's path to speak his words of counsel and wisdom and david it's like he's listening and he realizes you know he sees this beautiful woman that's speaking god's words of wisdom and he sees all the food and that's given him pause and he's had his moment to just calm down and then in verse 32 it's like this sigh of relief as David talks with Abigail, and he offers a three-fold, a threefold blessing. David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. David says, oh, praise the Lord that he sent you just in time. God sent you to stop me from my folly. So he praises the Lord for that. And then verse 33, blessed be your discretion. Then he praises the spiritual wisdom that this woman has and discretion. I'm so grateful for another person who's able to give me God's wisdom. Praise the Lord for your wisdom. Um, Well, uh, whoever you are. He doesn't know her name yet, probably. And then finally, and blessed be you. For you have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation from my own hand finally david says let you be blessed as well because you've just kept me from making a huge mistake and shedding of innocent blood my own countrymen my own people and god has used you to catch me just in time to keep me from trying to work this situation out on my own apart from god's wisdom And he is blessed because he says, verse 34, for as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me truly by morning, there truly would not have been left to Nabal so much as one male. David says, it's a good thing you got to me pretty quick here because I really was going to wipe out Nabal and your whole household. It is true. There's no lie about that. I was ready to do that. Praise the Lord that he sent you just in time. Have you ever looked back and realized that God has kept you from doing something incredibly foolish and just breathed a sigh of relief? I'm sure we've all had that experience at one time or another in our lives. And when we look back and we see that God put people in our paths or circumstances that kept us doing something that would have been incredibly damaging or foolish to our life, that swell of relief and, oh, thank you, Lord. What was I thinking? I can't believe I almost did that. Praise the Lord. And David is doing exactly what he should when he recognizes God's mercy on his life. And he's praising the Lord for keeping him from doing this. And then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, look how he describes this here. I have obeyed your voice. Isn't that amazing? He says, I've obeyed. I've listened to you. I've obeyed what you've asked me to do. I've obeyed your words and I have granted what you have asked me to do. We're good. You can go home. So disaster, one wise woman, God has used to avert disaster upon her and upon a future king in his testimony. And Abigail, I'm sure, returns home in relief and her fool of a husband doesn't have any idea of what his wife has had to do on his behalf. He's still out partying and reveling Out of control, most likely, it says here he's drunk. Verse 36, and Abigail came back to Nabal. And behold, he was holding a feast in his house. Remember, they're celebrating the shearing day, like the feast of a king. This points to the fact that this man thinks of himself more highly than he ought to. He thinks of himself with way too much importance. And basically gives himself whatever he desires. Um, Again, painting that picture of a self-centered fool. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk, out of control, revelry. So that's not the time for Abigail to talk to her husband in any form or fashion. And she waits. She told him nothing at all until the morning light. 37. And in the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, when he regains his senses, his wife told him these things. And isn't this interesting? His heart died within him, and he became as a stone. That doesn't mean he died. That means something along the lines of a heart attack and a coma. And then after about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. At the end of 10 days, God personally deals with Nabal and ends his life. And God brings justice to this situation without bloodshed to anyone else. Clean, direct, and everybody knows God's work. And he's kept David from making a very foolish, damaging error. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, verse 39, talk about relief here. Now, this may sound cold and calloused. Somebody's just died, and he says, blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal. This isn't David saying, ah, that guy deserved it for insulting me. Well, that would be pretty cold. No, he's praising the Lord that the Lord handled this situation. And he's also praising the Lord in relief that the Lord kept him from his, only, from his own foolish way of handling it. He realizes, oh, why I just lost control. I lost my head. And I was about ready to handle this in my own strength and in my own way. And it could have been devastating for me. And here God has dealt with this situation. And he's handled this. He's taking care of me, just like that um, guy's wife, Abigail, said. He's protecting me from my enemies, and he protected my testimony. And David is just praising the Lord for his work in this situation. He's kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. And then this other part here that actually... You, we don't normally think of it this way, but as I was studying this, I think there's some good merit to what's going on here. David goes and he speaks to Abigail, and I think what happens next between them is actually connected to the responsibilities of a kinsman redeemer and kind of has subtle resemblances to the story of Ruth. Do you remember Ruth and Boaz as the kinsman redeemer, and how uh, Naomi was hoping that Ruth and um, Boaz would get together, that Boaz would, um, would claim his responsibility as a kinsman redeemer, as although he was rather a distant relative, he was still able to help Ruth provide a home for her and provide a home for Naomi. I think this is what David is doing here. As we've said, Nabal was a distant relative. Um, she's lost her husband David comes in now and says, you know what, I need to do my responsibility as a kinsman redeemer and marry this woman and provide for her and also help provide for her to have children. Later on, we find out that they have a son together, um, and so he's, he's following the expectations of God for his people, uh, so he announces to her his intentions And they follow through in the traditions of a Jewish wedding ceremony. The friends, his servants of the groom, come to bring the bride to the groom. Let's read further here. David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of the Lord. One of the things I love about the book of Ruth is you have all of the characters showing God's love to each other. And this is what David and Abigail are doing. David has said earlier, I've listened and obeyed your voice. He's humbling himself before her. And now she's treating herself as one of his servants and saying, I'm just a servant to help you in whatever way that I can. Two people showing God's love to each other And God uses that in a powerful way. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey. And her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. So David now has another spiritually wise companion in his group, the priests and the prophets, Abigail. But there's one other aspect of this that's important. What will this do for David in marrying Abigail? It will increase his prominence in the region. It will increase his wealth, his standing, and throughout the land. Now God has provided David further resources in wealth that he did not have before. God continues through these very messy situations to uphold David, to help him, and um, to bless him. And I'm sure as David looked back on this, he again thought with relief, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace and mercy that kept me from a fool's errand, that kept me from disaster following my anger. Here's some applications then. I think this one's pretty obvious, right? Don't act in haste when you're overwhelmed with anger. Just don't do it. It may feel good, but it will always lead to devastation. Take time to cool down Read God's word, ground yourself in his word, and then pray for a biblical way forward. Don't be led by your emotions, especially when you're angry and wrathful. So important, folks. We could avoid so many headaches in our lives if we would just ask God to help calm our spirit when we're angry, right? And then listen, number two, listen to wise counsel when you're dealing with rage and anger in your life. Let cooler heads prevail, the old saying, right, in your own life. Let God counsel you and calm you with spiritual wisdom from godly people. Thankfully, David listened to Abigail's very godly, reasonable advice. And then, folks, don't forget this. When God does keep you from your own foolish trajectory, make sure you thank him. Make sure you spend time praising the Lord. Lord, I was about ready to act the part of a fool, and you kept me from that, and you deserve all the credit because I tried again to handle things my own way, and I was about ready to make a disaster of things. Thank you, Lord. Your mercy is everlasting, and your grace to me is amazing. Thank him for his grace that he rescues us from those things. Then another obvious thing here, but important, let God deal with the difficult situations and people in your life. Again, don't go it alone. Don't try to handle it apart from God. Let God God can handle difficult situations and people much better than we can. And we know that, but sometimes it's so hard we forget and we make grievous errors. Let God deal with those people. Pray for them. Pray for his help. And then on the other side of it, for the Abigails out with us today, when you're dealing with the foolishness of others, ask God for wisdom and the right words to say. David and Abigail's examples both show us that when we are following God's plan and seeking God's counsel, that he will give us the words we need at the right time to smooth over and show people the way forward. And of course, with our study in the Holy Spirit and the Gospel of John, we know we have the Holy Spirit in our lives today to help us with that. So, folks, there's no excuse for not doing things God's way. So when you're confronted with difficult and challenging situations and people, and it probably will happen this week, ask the Lord what he wants you to say. Be careful to even speak until you've talked to God. And he will give you wisdom like Abigail and many times David. And he will use you in a mighty way in other people's lives to keep them from foolish things. So tonight, as we go to prayer, let's also have that spirit in mind. Lord, I don't know the way forward. I'm struggling with these troubles, these difficulties. Lord, you show me the way. You give me wisdom, and I'm submitted to that. Lots of good lessons to learn tonight.